we operate a fully circular model. Items are delivered and then recollected. The packaging is recollected um, either at the time of the customer's next delivery or when we have a driver already in the neighborhood. And so we're reducing um, miles driven. We're reducing uh, the we're eliminating single use items that otherwise would have gone into the landfill. And we are also kind of supporting the local ecosystem because with reusable packaging, you know, items then have to be washed and sanitized and re-return, you know, reused. And for me, that creates a lot of value as opposed to buying, you know, another box of cardboard containers that, you know, are shipped across the country or sorry, the world, you know, on a shipping container from Asia or, or things like that. You know, we are really keeping all of our dollars in the local um, kind of a more localized food system. Welcome back to Winning at Work. It's season three, the podcast for the food and beverage and CPG world. I'm Jennifer Lee, Tony's new marketing sidekick and creative guru. I'll attempt to keep him on track as we discover the ideas and strategies behind all these different, better, and special brands. Oh, good luck keeping me on track, but I am really stoked to have you on the team, Jennifer. Your background in marketing and SEO and socials, we are going to have so much fun this year. We're going to be discovering the new brands here in 2023. It's all about functional, good-for-you lifestyle brands. Those are trending. Those are the products that are gaining market share and really pulling away from those old legacy brands. We're going to have each and every one of those brands down on the podcast to talk to us, to share their ideas, their inspiration, so you, the entrepreneur, so you, the food and beverage and CPG professional, can take these new ideas in and incorporate them into your business and into your life. Oh my gosh, Tony, I'm seriously so excited. I feel like I learn so much just from listening to older episodes. Well, that's why we're here. And if this is your first time here, I would recommend, look, go back, take the five episode challenge, pick a brand, pick a CEO, an entrepreneur, dive in, listen to what it is that they're teaching us. If you love the content, subscribe. We hope you're along with us for the journey each and every week. Hey, it's Jennifer. We get it. Everyone hates hiring. Inspired by his guests, Tony created a novel talent acquisition program that attracts the hidden candidate market, the 70% of people that are not actively applying to jobs. Click on the attract link in the show notes to watch a demo. Welcome to Winning at Work, everybody. It's Tony, and I've got a really interesting conversation today because, as you know, I've had other guests on, we've tried to unlock and understand how the circular economy is going to come and affect the food and beverage world. Today, I've got Ashley Farron, this founder and CEO at In Good Company. I want to tell you a little bit more about In Good Company. In Good Company partners with your local restaurants, your favorite restaurants to produce limited edition chef-made frozen meals that are delivered to your door. Ashley, who wouldn't want that? I don't know. Hopefully not too many people. <laughs> Listen, ready to eat is really, I think, far outpacing just about every other meal kit. I mean, I've used meal kits. I've got some older parents that I've been sending meal kits to to help them, but they just, it's like, 
it's so time consuming, you know, to spend time in the preparation and the cooking and the cleanup. Yes, it's great that you have all the ingredients delivered, but what you're doing is so much more than that. Tell us really what was the origin story? You know, why meal kits? Yeah, sure. And I guess before diving into the origin story, I'll just paint a little a little more color around what our, our meals are. So as you mentioned, thanks for the summary, we do uh, these really unique limited edition collaborations with amazing local chefs and restaurants. And our goal is that we're giving customers not necessarily the complete meal, but we're giving them a fast track to building a simple and easy and super delicious meal at home. So our chefs focus on the center of the plate entree, those parts that are hard and time consuming to make. So maybe it's a Oaxacan chicken mole or a seven layer handmade pasta lasagna or a Northern Thai curry, something like that, that that is the entree that's coming ready to heat and serve, like you said. So you're not having to chop and prep and dice. And then we really leave it to our customers to just round out the meal. You know, our vision is that a lot of people are comfortable or happy to steam some white rice or grab some simple, you know, vegetables and and make a side salad with, a you know, with a fresh uh, dressing or something. Um, But it's those that real center of the plate entree that's what holds people up in the kitchen. And so that's the vision for In Good Company is we're bringing those um, ready to heat and serve entrees, you know, to your table, and then giving you some simple suggestions to kind of round it out using, you know, what you already have in your kitchen or a few ingredients you'd pick up weekly at the grocery store, um, and be able to kind of sit down and truly enjoy a almost restaurant quality meal right at home. I love that because it really kind of takes away the challenges for you and operations of this more complicated supply chain too. Yeah, exactly. And so we can really focus on um, delivering, you know, absolutely incredible, you know, single dishes. And as you mentioned, we use uh, advanced freezing technology to lock in, you know, freshness and flavor and um, nutritional elements, as well as uh, really kind of maintaining like the texture of both meats and vegetables in a super high quality way. I think when people try our food, uh, if you don't tell them it's frozen, they have no idea. Um, I can't tell you the number of people who, who are like, there's no way this was frozen. I'm like, I promise you it was. It's just we're using great ingredients to start. We are um, using great expertise in the kitchen, you know, to prepare things Uh, and then using advanced freezing when it gets to your door, you know, it's ready to heat and serve, but it definitely does not taste like your, you know, lean cuisine or, (laughs) um, (laughs) other frozen meals. Hungry man or something. But but that that frozen, you know, really does help ensure that we're locking in that, um, you know, quality and experience. So ingredients aren't, you know, going bad, vegetables aren't wilting, um, stuff isn't sitting in your fridge and kind of going bad over a couple of days before you eat it. Uh, And so it really does help doesn't mean our world isn't complicated. Uh, Anything related to food is complicated, but it is a little bit more simple than trying to, you know, get to someone's door, everything from fresh to frozen all in one box and and make sure everything is perfect. We've simplified that process a bit. I mean, I'm literally like you come as from a, a partner in a creative content, you know, brand strategy, digital advertising world. And now you're entering into super competitive food and beverage 
I'll call it meal kit space, which is a pretty good size market. I'm not sure what the estimated market size of that is, but um, why meal kits for you? Yeah. So, I mean, I think we're at a unique intersection of meal kits, but also um, very close to like a CPG product that you may find in a grocery store. So it's kind of this like hybrid model. Um, For me, as you mentioned, yeah, background in brand creation and uh, helping, you know, innovative businesses find ways to tell their story. So I ran a boutique agency and I spent uh, several years helping build kind of like socially conscious, better for you, better for the world businesses um, at my agency. And during my time there, we had a client in the fashion space, which I got really involved, you know, research and everything that you do there, uh, thinking about or getting exposed to the world of circular economy um, and saw so much innovation that was happening, everything from supply chain through to customer experience that was um, pioneering circular as it relates to fashion. And um, I myself am a total foodie. I have always loved to eat my way through life, whether it's traveling the world or around my dinner table. And um, I was living in DC at the time and uh, was also experiencing and kind of witnessing firsthand a lot of legislation kind of pushing back against the wastefulness of single-use packaging in the world of food, right? So DC was one of the first cities to um, implement the charge for plastic bags at grocery store. I saw everything from local to national legislation trying to ban, you know, straws, reduce plastic packaging for takeout food, all of these things. And I guess I had one of those kind of founder conviction moments where I was like, hey, I see a really big uh, opportunity to kind of come in and help change the world for circular by providing a solution to move from single use to reusable packaging. Um, And so I didn't actually start this journey with an idea of building a uh, meal solution company. I I didn't think I was going to touch the world of food. I actually started by just tackling the packaging problem. And so one thing we haven't mentioned is that all of our meals are delivered to customer's door in 100% reusable and returnable containers. I um, love it. Yeah. And so we're really kind of pushing back against that single use uh, packaging problem that so many people, I feel like, feel when it comes to ordering everything from takeout to meal kits. You know, convenience is great, but was it really worth those, you know, 10 pieces of disposable packaging for me and my husband to eat one meal? Um, Not so sure it's always worth that. So we're kind of changing the game. And yeah, just um, I I started a business, which happy to tell you more about if, if it makes sense, but started a business before the pandemic. We were helping high volume food service um, establishment switched to reusable. COVID forced a unexpected pivot in my world. And I ended up saying, hey, I could take my experience in using circular packaging. And instead of, you know, working with high volume places that were closed to the pandemic, for example, sports stadiums or large corporate campuses, instead partner up with local restaurants and help them get their food onto more tables in a sustainable way. And so that was the unexpected, but uh, very, I, I, I'm very actually grateful for, for the pivot because um, I'm very excited about what we're building at In Good Company and truly that ability to apply you know, the world of 
circular and this movement towards a more sustainable food system um, and be partnering with local independent restaurants who we all know need more opportunities to actually earn profitable um, or to engage in profitable activities, to be partnering with them in this really unique way and getting their food onto more tables across, uh, hopefully one day very soon, the entire country. Yes. Well, that's why you're here. Cause I wanted you just to expose you, you know, into the platform, all the things that you're doing as you touched on this. Now your social entrepreneurship and your social innovation. I think that's kind of the heart of what you're doing is kind of the energy behind it. That founder conviction moment you mentioned. I, I love that. So tell us about this business model though, because you are it sounds like you're kind of selling on both ends, plus you're introducing this reusable container. So just give us a little peek behind the covers. How does that work? Not to be cliche, but um, I think it's pretty easy to describe in good company is it's truly one of those win-win-win uh, business models. So how it works, we partner up with awesome local independent restaurants to produce meals that are delivered to customers' door in reusable and returnable containers. And so from that kind of value creation perspective, on the front end, we're working with local independent chefs and restaurants, and we're bringing a new high margin revenue opportunity to them. Um, it's a way for them to take what they have, which is incredible kind of culinary capital, right? The knowledge and understanding of food and flavor, and they have customers that love them and helping them create a food product that they wouldn't be able to do on their own. And then uh, for them, it becomes a source of high margin supplemental revenue, which is really meaningful for a local business. Um, and so we are, you know, on one side, delivering impact into our local economy. Um, then for customers, we are bringing this easy and convenient and delicious experience to the dinner table at home. Um, I get, you know, one of the things I, I love the most is just the idea of kind of the joy and the moments that we're helping create when people sit down around a dinner table and share a meal. Um, and so I think there's a lot that we're bringing into individuals' lives. And then we're doing it in a way that doesn't trade that convenience and experience for the planet. And so we operate a fully circular model. Items are delivered and then recollected. The packaging is recollected um, either at the time of the customer's next delivery or when we have a driver already in the neighborhood. And so we're reducing um, miles driven. We're reducing uh, the we're eliminating single use items that otherwise would have gone into the landfill. And we are also kind of supporting the local ecosystem because with reusable packaging, you know, items then have to be washed and sanitized and re-return, you know, reused. Yes. And for me, that creates a lot of value as opposed to buying, you know, another box of cardboard containers that, you know, are shipped across the country or sorry, the world, you know, on a shipping container from Asia or, or things like that. You know, we are really keeping all of our dollars in the local um, kind of a more localized food system and local economy, which delivers both environmental and community impact uh, back into the world. So do you have a centralized wash station? So we have a um, centralized kitchen in Southern California, which is where we operate right now. 
And then uh, we actually have an incredible partner that does the washing and sanitizing of the containers specifically. And um, that allows us to focus on the food and then they handle the health and safety of the actual sanitizing of the containers that we can bring right back into our kitchen. Oh, you know what? I'm just kind of having a light bulb moment because you're talking about chefs and restaurants. And I was thinking that the food was coming out of the chef's restaurant, but then you've just said this is supplemental income. So are you saying the chef comes to your actual, your location and works there? Right. So we have a centralized um, production facility and then we work very closely, you know, with our chefs um, to develop the recipes and then also kind of incorporate them into the production process. Um, But yeah, everything is centralized. Got it. That makes sense because you've got to get that economy of scale. So your vision to get this into more cities across the country, talk to us a little bit about the scale kind of the tipping point that you need to make it viable, you know, for a new city? Like what's the anchor that helps you kick off a new city? Yeah. So unlike, you know, kind of the traditional drop ship, you know, put one or two kitchens uh, in the entire country and use the mail to get food everywhere. Our growth is built around kind of tried and true hub and spoke model. So right now we have our first hub in Southern California. And because we are using frozen or extended shelf life products, uh, we can deliver efficiently across, you know, a pretty wide area out of just that one hub. So, you know, think of like all of Southern California. And we are, you know, focused on really building up our community, our network of chefs and restaurants, as well as consumers in that local region. Um, And then, you know, once we decide to go to the second region, it would be opening up that hub and kind of focused on building out the community, again, both in terms of chefs and restaurants, as well as customers in that regional hub. Um, So, yeah, in today's... I mean, it makes sense. Yeah. It it makes perfect sense, the hub and spoke. And I'm just wondering... When you get to the end of the spoke at the far end of the hub, is your vision to then start another hub there? So you have a little bit of word of mouth going, a little referral, or do you look at just new cities that are willing to pay a little more, a little more of a premium for a very high quality product, but to also participate in the circular economy? Yeah, I think, you know, we see kind of an overlapping effect, like, you know, we won't necessarily build out the one entire hub before we move to the next hub, hopefully we can kind of waterfall or, you know, overlap them a little bit as we grow. Um, We are very focused on actually building a business that is financially sustainable, which I think is important in today's climate from a business lens, right? We have a lot of these very large meal kit companies that have kind of pursued like a growth at all cost mentality, which has required just a tremendous amount of uh, venture capital coming into them. And ultimately, their economics haven't really proven um, to be very successful in the long run. And so we are also championing a different growth model where we can um, kind of focus on kitchen level profitability. And then once one kitchen, you know, turns profitable while there's still additional growth opportunity, that helps give us some positive cash flow to invest into that that next hub that we want to open. 
And we see our hubs as really destinations to kind of tap into the hotspots of the food culture of today. So maybe some big cities, also smaller cities, whether it's, you know, um, Chicago, New York City, Nashville, Austin, all of these places where we can really come in and have an incredible community of the um, really those innovators of food culture of today here in the U.S. And then from there, we can actually get their food onto an expanded number of tables in their region, right? So um, I think you might live a little bit outside of a, of a new city, uh, I right? was dying. You mentioned <laughs> right? all that. I'm like, Nashville, no. Yeah. Come on, come come to Asheville. I can drive to Asheville. It's only an hour and a half. Well, and so that is that is some incredible opportunity, you know, that we see on the proverbial table is- Good, um, good. A little bit outside of- Because I'm not going to publish this until you actually- de- right now say, no, I'm just kidding. I love it. I I love that you're going after those cities. And what I think is really clever is that you don't necessarily have to be responsible for the creation of what are the local flavors. Because as you go into that market, you're tapping into the restaurants, the chefs, they already kind of know what works. A hundred percent. That's really what it is. We see ourselves, you know, really as just partners and kind of a facilitator to help these chefs and restaurants create a product, but it is them, right? It is what they know, the food that they create, the, um, you know, the brand that they've built for themselves that we're just kind of helping unlock. And, you know, I think once we have our footprint across the country, it's pretty exciting too to almost imagine how we could take some of these really unique and authentic flavors almost on a roadshow, right? Like what would it mean for us to do a special limited release of LA's most famous Oaxacan restaurants, chicken mole in Nashville, and then vice versa, take some incredible barbecue from, you know, Nashville and bring it to tables in Los Angeles, right? So we have some creative ways that we can kind of flow food throughout the system. Once we have, you know, all of these hubs and spokes kind of established that, especially I think for customers living just outside of these, you know, major food cities, it's like people want to feel part of that food culture. People want to be trying, you know, the chefs that they're reading about or seeing on Instagram or even watching a Netflix episode about, but it's a lot of work to, you know, get in your car and drive an hour, two, three hours just to go out to dinner. And so with our model, you know, people can really be a part of that food culture by, you know, having these meals, having them in their freezer. You want to do a fun Friday night dinner. Awesome. Let's pull out that Oaxacan chicken mole. Let's follow the chef's recipe for, you know, a Mexican rice, shape up, shake up some margaritas. And no matter where you are, you get to have that fun experience. Man, you've got my taste buds going and my creativity going now because I'm now shifting into the whole sales and marketing side of this business, which is really also a big part of your background. So you mentioned the chefs might have a TikTok or they might have an Instagram account. So now they can start promoting these extra revenue lines of generators for themselves. Exactly. So we've built the business in Southern California over the last two years um, with literally $0 spent on paid marketing. And we have grown entirely 
from working with our chefs and restaurants to activate their communities. And um, it's that good old network effect. And it's one thing I love about, I think, the restaurant industry is there really is a, hey, we win together, right? When we all, we we win when we come together and we rise up together. I think especially through the pandemic, you know, there's a, a large focus on on that. And so what's awesome is we do these curated menus, uh, usually around 10 items are available at a time. And those each of those 10 different chefs or restaurants kind of pool their brands together. So they're activating on social, sending emails, driving people to our website. But when people get there, hey, maybe they came because they, you know, know this chef that's doing a Thai curry and that chef sends them to our platform. But on average, our customers are building baskets between, you know, four or five different products at a time. And so maybe they knew about that first restaurant, but they get there and they see that Oaxacan chicken um, dish and they now discover also this next restaurant. And so they, because all of the chefs are kind of activating, everyone is contributing their network, but they're also benefiting from all of the other restaurants who are activating as well. And um, we have you know, customers who write in like, oh, I was so excited to actually go eat at this restaurant that I first tried through your platform that I didn't know about. And so it's a bit of a discovery experience as well for customers. And um, I think a way for our chef and restaurant partners to also, you know, kind of find benefit from and also benefit others in their local community. I kept thinking a high tide lifts all boats. Yeah, exactly. It's a great metaphor. I love it. I think the the model is great. I'm just going to keep pulling for Asheville. I just have to keep making that plug. Um, and I think it's great that you've I had, see not it. Had, I want to be there. <laughs> I know it's a really cool. It's a really cool foodie place too. And to your point, you know that's the that's the marketplace that you want to tap into. I've listened, I've had other podcast guests on that they figure out where, where do they want to expand? I've had, you know, craft coffee, they follow craft beer. I mean, it's a little easier for you really, because you already really can identify where the foodie cities are and you just build on that. And look, you've already got LA up and running. Yes, you can continue to expand it, but you now have this model that you can go to Austin and start you know, talking to those chefs and restaurants and point them back and say, look at the result, look at the incremental revenue increase. So I think in a lot of ways, it kind of sells itself. You know, I really believe in kind of building the right foundation. So we're using Southern California right now. We deliver um, all the way Los Angeles, San Diego, um, and some new areas coming, coming very soon in Southern California. Um, But we see this as a way to you know, really understand, again, those foundational elements of the business, right? Make sure we build a successful operating model with solid unit economics so that we can extend into these new markets really with confidence. Um, and the other part of, you know, what we've been doing is really building the technology and kind of like the data side of the business that allows us to do this effectively and be really impactful partners partners for these restaurants as we grow in scale. Um, And kind of tying back to that circular piece, you know, there's a lot of interest in reusable packaging, right? You can talk to anyone from 
you know, the Nestle Procter and Gamble world down to, you know, meal kits, everyone's talking about how to go circular, but the reality is it's really, it is really challenging and it adds an additional layer of complexity into a business that is already a complex space. Um, and so, you know, we are investing a lot right now in the technology and the foundational pieces um, to give us an actual scalable path to maintaining our circular structure from day one. Um, and so, you know, we hope that that really, again, gives us the foundation where we don't make that choice. Hey, let's do single use now because it's easier. And once we get big, we'll figure out how to become more sustainable or how to reduce our 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 packaging. Because what we know is it's really hard to make that transition to circular once all your infrastructure is built. So, um, you know, the the hub and spoke model is is largely driven too by the the structure that's needed for viable circular systems, right? We have to have this localized way of delivering and recollecting packaging, washing and reusing it. And that really fits into that hub and spoke model. So um, we, you know, we're, we're excited to be able to take this very unique lens around our packaging and our circular model and kind of be able to scale with that as well. Well, and I'll add this too, Ashley, you're starting in one of the most expensive cities and just in terms of cost of living. So if you perfect it there, I would argue other cities that are operating at a lower cost of living, you've already proven your model. I think when you go to other cities, you might find your margins actually increase. Yeah, that would be a welcomed addition no, <laughs> for any business, right? No, but it, it is true. I mean, even we are, you know, we are committed to paying, you know, at a, you know, at a minimum, not just a, a minimum wage, but a living wage, right, to, to all employees in our company. Um, and cost of, you know, food and rent and everything is exceptionally high in Southern California. So, you know, you are right that hopefully as we move into some other markets, you know, if we can make it work here, it's almost like we can make it work anywhere. That's exactly my point. I think it's great. Well, as we wrap up, I've got two final questions for you. What questions do you ask yourself to ensure that you know you're on the right path? For me, um, it's it's really kind of going back to the, are we delivering value that I believe in at each step here? And so those are the three groups that I look, look at um, that I talked about before. You know, are we being good, meaningful value-add partners to our uh, kind of community around food, right? Our local food system, those chefs and independent restaurants, right? Are we doing something that is meaningful and positive for individuals at home, right? Are we fostering connection and great meal experiences and quality food and healthfulness? Um, and are we doing something that leaves the planet and are, you know, communities a bit better off um, because of what we're doing. And to me, having a firm yes in all of those categories is what we need to have that conviction to continuing on. And those are the three things that, I, yeah, I'm not willing to compromise on. And I think um, they set the set the vision for, for where the, the company's um, headed, but it also allows us to prioritize some decision making. You know, for example, oh, of course, yeah, you got to have right? a lens. Like, yeah, why? Why not just 
why not just do single use right now? You could go into grocery store today if you were in single use packaging, right? And I'm like, well, we could, right? But All the equity you built up is that gone. That is in line with trying to right. have the impact that we want. And so it helps in our decision making process. You know, this is a, a uh, it's a similar type of situation. You know, we're, I'm in the South and you've obviously heard of Chick fil A. And everyone has used to say to Chick-fil-A, well, why don't you just open on Sunday? But it doesn't matter. That's just what their belief system was. They're not going to open on Sundays. Yep. And yeah. it doesn't matter. You just stick with it. You just stick with your your values. And obviously it pays off. What is the best way for people to connect with you and to really discover in good company? Are there social handles, a website? Yes. All the things. Um, social is... Uh, so eat IGC, which stands for eat in good company. So eat IGC, you can find us yeah, on Instagram at eat IGC. Our website is just eatigc.com. Uh, if you live in Southern California, definitely, um, hop on, fill your basket with some meals. Give us a try. If you don't live in Southern California, hopefully you'll see us headed your way soon and you can subscribe for our emails. Um, I'll also kind of tee up that if you subscribe for our emails, we're very excited to be launching our first community fundraise coming up. Um, I think we've had so much interest from across the country of people being excited and wanting to be part of what we're doing. And while we're not physically there yet, we're able to deliver our products there yet. We're excited to kind of open up the opportunity to anyone to be part of building the vision and joining in good company as an investor. So we're doing a community raise, which is launching here very soon. And if you sign up for the emails, you'll get information about how you can be part of building this company. I love it. Breaking news on winning at work. I love it. I love being the first to hear about it. Yeah, that was good timing. Or very close to being first. Ashley, fantastic. Love the company. Love the vision. I think the social social entrepreneurship, the circular economy, It's it, we need uh, young, fresh thinking to, you know, tackle these big problems. And if you think about it, if every company did their part instead of just relying on the big boys, right, we could start making a difference and show them it works. Then when they get on board, we're going to get the cascading effect and it's going to just, you know, permeate. But it takes someone like you and others to stand up, be a pioneer, be a disruptor, and let the consumers help support it. So it's great. Ashley, thank you so much for being here. We're pulling for you to move to the other cities and continue your success and get your model totally dialed in there in Southern California, based out of LA. Appreciate it. Well, thanks for having me on. I enjoyed this conversation and um, look forward to uh, getting getting food to Asheville, hopefully in the not too future. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much. Have a good one. Thanks, Ashley.